Hello and welcome back to the Mainly Football Podcast. It has been a while, but it's something we're really looking forward to making bigger and better in 2019. I'm your host, Jack Heal, and today I'm joined by two fellow course mates, George Carden and Lee Sidebotham. Welcome back, George. Are you looking forward to this one? Yeah, had a, had my Christmas break, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. Too much has happened, really, in this uh, in the football world, we've hasn't got, it? We've got a lot to talk about, haven't we? And uh, a special welcome today to Lee, who will be joining us on the podcast. Uh, hopefully, the first of many, Lee. Hopefully, yeah. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. It's our pleasure. Okay, and the topics today we're going to begin with the FA Cup. Two Premier League manager incomings. We will be discussing their impact. Diving and some of the January transfer window dealings. Now, we're going to start with the FA Cup. The magic of the FA Cup is still well and truly alive, it seems, as Millwall beat Everton and AFC Wimbledon beat West Ham over the weekend. George, I'll begin with you. How important is this competition for English football and its fans? Well, I guess, based off the last round, we saw some giant killings, just as you mentioned. And uh, it's great to see, really, especially if you're for the neutrals and obviously for the fans of teams like Wimbledon who um, have obviously been reinvented in the last sort of 15 years or so for them to get a win like that is really good for their fans and it just it also shows that you can't take the lower league sides too unseriously um, even though West Ham played a, a relatively good side really but um, it's nice to see even the Premier League teams playing their stronger teams and whether that's a big 5-0 win like City beating Burnley but I mean it's it's good to see sort of a higher level of competition and managers wanting to win it as another bit of silverware yeah I mean I'd agree with that there seems to have been a period of time when the Premier League managers maybe wouldn't prioritise it and would put out um, second string side Lee would you agree that the values come back for the FA Cup nowadays I'm not so sure I think historically for the English game it's so important you know it laid the foundations down for the sport we know and love today but nowadays with not such big prize money to be won and uh, only a place in the Europa League, well, I say only. So <laughs> some teams are definitely in the Championship wouldn't mind a spot in there, but I just think nowadays it's not appreciated enough. I and mean, we saw uh, Tottenham go out yesterday, um, yet again, playing a weakened side. And I think maybe a bigger prize should be introduced to make it more, to make the bigger teams fight more for the uh, trophy. Okay, interesting. I mean, to be fair on that point, you, we, saw, we saw with Arsenal United uh, the other night, and that was a real... I don't know if you guys watched that game, but it was a real intense encounter and uh, United carried on their great form. But I feel like sort of maybe start, I'm, I wouldn't, I'm not sure if, if it's starting with Pep Guardiola, but it's almost like a domino effect. So we've seen him, he's quite notorious for taking cup competition seriously with Bayern Munich, Barcelona and now City, obviously. Um, I feel like maybe it's a domino effect. So if people like Jurgen Klopp and Sarri, they see Pep Guardiola sort of taking it that seriously. And I would say he is obviously the best manager currently in the Prem, um, it's almost like, well, they don't want to let City win it. They want to try and win it too and have that bragging right. So I think it's more like that now. And I think that's obviously a good thing for English football. Yeah, I mean, I mean, on the other side of the spectrum, you've kind of got relegation battling managers who maybe won't feel the stronger sides. Do you feel that's understandable that they should want to prioritise the Premier League? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you saw, we saw Newcastle lose 2-0 to Watford. And you can say, oh, maybe they're fielding a slightly weaker team. But then against Premier League opposition, you want to... It's almost like another week of Premier League football, especially if you're Newcastle, for example. And whilst, obviously, it doesn't count towards... only counts to get into the towards the next round of the Cup. Um, it's like, you don't really want to be losing to Watford if you're trying to survive in the Premier League. You want to at least try and get a win, boost the confidence. 
And um, like we saw on the weekend, Brighton played quite a, a good, fielded quite a strong team. And and then we, we played West Brom at home and unfortunately drew 0-0. So now I've got a replay away at the Hawthorns um, and we, we played pretty much West Brom youth team. So obviously I wouldn't put us as a relegation team, but it's not impossible. But um, for us, it's quite disappointing, for example. Very, yeah. f- very, very fair points there. Um, we'll we'll bring it back to the Premier League now. So, the first Premier League loss, I think, on the last episode of the podcast before Christmas, me, Mikey, and George all predicted it to be Roy Hodgson to as to be the first manager of 2019 to get the sack, yeah. and it was in fact David Wagner. Already wrong. We're already wrong, aren't we? Already, already once. Um, Jean Stewart has taken over from the second team of Borussia Dortmund. What would you say he needs to change from David Wagner's time there? Well, it's a tough one, really, because I th- I feel like they've brought in quite a, maybe a, a slightly more attack-minded manager from what I've researched on him. Um, Wagner, his Huddersfield team weren't sort of recognised for their scoring ability, even in the Championship. So obviously, it's no surprise Steve Mooney's only got one goal this season. Um, so it's no surprise they're struggling like they are. I think they haven't really got the quality all over the pitch, really, especially if Aaron Moy injured, for example. I guess, in my opinion, for them, obviously they want to avoid relegation, but I don't think that's going to happen. But I feel like for them it's someone someone to take down to the championship who's a young, promising manager and to have someone to build for the future. Um, so maybe they've got, I would say, the next five years looking in, in mind rather than the next six months of Premier League football. With uh, Jan Stewart. Yeah, I agree on that. I think Huddersfield, can we all agree that Huddersfield are definite goners? Yeah, near enough. I mean, almost, almost. Yeah, 11 um, points is it's going to be a tough ask. What they need to do now is build on the side they've got because they've got a very talented side. We've seen them uh, win a couple of times this season. And uh, again, I, I have to agree with you, George. They've got to sort out that attack because Mounier, one goal this season, isn't good enough for a Premier League side. It's not even good enough for a top-tier championship team. And I just think we need to see more from them attacking, especially the uh, two strikers that they play. We, we've seen um, Wagner use kind of prioritise defensive solidity, but also a high press to try and win the ball back as fast as they can. Do you think Stuart should try and deviate from this, George, um, and take a different approach to get the best out of this side? He'll be playing relatively similar football, really, coming from that Dortmund second team um, background. My guess is... I've never, I'll be honest, I've never seen his football. I, I think most people haven't. Yeah, yeah. But um, it's a tough one, whatever happens, really. I mean, if he can get a few notable wins, a bit like Darren Moore last season, uh, he, he came in, sort of got his name, got a few notable wins, um, and that's probably arguably got him his job this season because he's still there. Um, so maybe for, for Stewart, he wants to be a bit like that and sort of try and get a few wins. But if they get relegated, it's not the end of the world. It's It's... They can rebuild in the next few years. Do you do you also feel they've got the next few years in mind, Lee? I think so. I don't think they need to change too much. They don't need to change the core squad that they got. You look at Aaron Moy, uh, Lossell in goal. You just need to add to it. And I don't feel like they've done that this season. Last year, um, you could call it they had a lucky season, lucky break. But they've, if you look at the um, transfers from last summer, they haven't really added to their team. They've just kind of stuck with what they've got and you can't do that at Premier League level. Very, very fair points there. And Huddersfield will be facing Everton in Stuart's first game. They sit 20th with 11 points. Now the 10 points away from getting out of the relegation zone with Newcastle on 21. Do you think they can do it, George? Well, I mean, 
Everton's almost a perfect team to come up against, really. They've just they just lost to Millwall. Um, they're not in the best form, really. They've kind of dropped off since the first ten or so games. So maybe Everton is at home, isn't it? I think or, so, yeah. Yeah. So at Everton at home, then they've got every chance, really. They should be really going for it. And you talk about the new manager sort of bouncing back and getting a win. This would be the perfect chance, really. Of course, they've got a chance tonight. You know, it's the Premier League. It's famous for its upsets. But in terms of the relegation battle, you look at Southampton on form again, Brighton, of course, George. Um, I just don't think they've got any hope for the rest of the season, I'm afraid. OK. And um, from one manager to another, Jose Mourinho was sacked in the time we were away <laughs> and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was brought in. Now, he's returned to United as manager and seemingly brought back a feel-good factor with him. United have won eight in all competitions in a row and six in the league on the bounce. What would you say that he's changed, George, to this to this United side? Well, it's interesting, really, because I guess he he's he's someone who's played under that Ferguson era and knows the style of play, and it, it does it does kind of give me sort of flashbacks of that Ferguson style team, quite counter attacking, play with a bit of freedom though in attack, but um, and watching them against Arsenal, they just they kind of they absorbed the pressure really well, and they scored they're very clinical. Um, Sanchez did score a really nice goal, so I guess they're they're just playing a bit more freedom, really. And um, Lukaku, who's kind of had a horrible 2018, apart from the World Cup, he um, got two nice assists. So I'll just say it's a bit more freedom, but then playing playing to the counter attack, which suits players like Rashford and Martial. I mean, one other one other thing I'd say. So obviously they've got the counter attacking style. They've they've changed, they've tweaked it a bit. It's a lot more entertaining for United fans and watching them on TV it's a lot more entertaining I'd also say he's a, a much more likeable character M- maybe that might not work for him in the long term as in he's almost too nice but in the short term six months it's perfect for United and a real real good appointment to be honest Would you agree with that Lee? I, I think so um, one thing that I think he's got that the other managers didn't is the respect of the dressing room uh, arguably Mourinho Van Gaal Moyes didn't have the respect and whether that's because Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has been in their shoes before or not I don't know but he can give tips to uh, Lukaku Rashford Martial about how to finish up front and mm. as you were saying before Lukaku's found this form again and uh, I think that's worked for United very well yeah it, al- it almost seems like it's a weight off their chests in a way like they're, they're just like I said playing with freedom but they seem to be enjoying football and I, I remember I saw in an article somewhere um, that it, might, it was one of the players, and they were just saying they've, they've got they feel a lot more free, and they they've been told to play like their kids again in the playground, which in a way is the perfect thing because they're they're playing with fun, and it's working for them. I mean, some players especially have been playing with fun, and you can tell. Um, in terms of the Premier League, there's been Victor Lindelof has played every minute under Solskjaer in the Premier League. Um, Paul Pogba six games, five goals, four assists. Marcus Rashford, as you mentioned, George with five goals and one assist. How important are these figures um, for Solskjaer? Yeah, well, I mean, Rashford just, he, he with Mourinho, he couldn't, he was just kind of suppressed in a way. But now he's kind of being, being allowed this freedom, playing out on the left, playing out on the right, kind of just being able to move anywhere in that final third. And um, just these players, have, they've all got, they've all got a lot more freedom to play. And, and players like Pogba need that. They can't be playing under some system where they have to sort of do all the defensive duties but now they've got Matic doing that so Pogba's been a bit more freed up and um, it just looks like a, his natural self like he was at Juventus really 
And just finally on United, Solskjaer is appointed until the end of the season. Now, there's there's been a lot of talk of late of him getting the job permanently due to his form and quite a lot of critics felt he might not be able to do it against the big teams and he's beaten Tottenham, so he's proven them wrong. Do you think he can get the job permanently? Uh, let's wait and see. He's got a tub, uh, tough February coming up, of course, uh, going back into the Champions League. Um, but I think if he carries on like this, you have to, don't you? I mean, why why change something that works? Yeah, exactly. I mean, let's let's see where, where they end up at the end of the season. Let's see if they can carry it on. Obviously, they got the, the big. They've got big wins now. Everyone was saying, oh, they've only played small sides. Um, he's been quite fortunate with some of the teams they played, but they've they've beaten Tottenham, Arsenal, so. I don't think you can call it a fluke anymore. And whatever happens by May, we'll, we'll see by then. And they've yeah. not just beaten them either. What was it? Five, six goals against Cardiff. Yeah. Three goals against uh, Newcastle. They've not just been victories. They've been big, pretty dominating victories. And yeah, I think yeah. that's what you need to take into account. Very fair points there. Um, next topic we're going to come on to is diving. Now it rarely gets the airtime it deserves, arguably. And over the past few weeks, we've seen multiple um, penalty shouts on Raheem Sterling. There has been a clear dive from Jamie Vardy and some questions over Harry Kane diving. And most notably of the lot, Salah and the, uh, the question as to whether he's dived, whether he's not. Was there enough contact? What are your thoughts on the issue of diving in football early? I think we just need to get it out of the game altogether. And if that means... Uh, giving red cards to those who do dive, then so be it. We just we don't want it in our game, and I think it's something definitely that the FA just need to uh, tighten up on and have a zero percent policy on it. Yeah, I mean, the only problem with that is, is it's very easy to say that we need to crack down on it, but then what you'll see it's it's so ingrained in the game, especially in the last ten years, um, maybe maybe even before that, but. The problem is people have sort of. It's very easy to get frustrated at refs, but the foot, the game is so high paced, um, high tempo. Uh, it's it's so fast paced that spotting contact when it's actually a dive is really hard. And we have the benefit of replays when we're watching on TV or whatever. Um, so it's it's very when you see someone some like someone like recently like Kane or Salah diving in in the moment, the ref might not see that. So it's a tough one. I was I was thinking earlier. I was sort of brainstorming ideas and obviously you've got you've got Hawkeye in tennis and um and tennis players can appeal so if they, if they think something's out they can appeal for it and, and ask to see if it's actually out um and I was, I was thinking something like that for football where where the captain of each team could say no I don't think that was a handball or something but the only difference is is that it's subjective rather than it's not a yes or no answer yeah. so I don't don't know if that'd be possible but it's it's a tough one really I guess like you said, refs sort of being a bit more strict might might do it, but then also refs are going to get those cho- decisions wrong as well. So, mm. and hopefully that's where VAR in the coming years will will help the referees out. Yeah, exactly. And um, the only problem with VAR is all all of it has sort of a, a negative point. So VAR kind of slows the game down, and but that's probably the most most logical option, I'd say. So, I think VAR in the Premier League would be a good a good sort of help reduce the amount of diving okay and uh, like you touched on there with contact whether it is a foul whether it's not a foul Lee do you feel the rule isn't clear enough because often we've seen when there's clearly no contact of the ball 
Raheem Sterling got clearly fouled yeah. against Huddersfield the other week. And, for example, Mohamed Salah, there was slight contact on him from Paul Dummett against Newcastle, and that was given as a penalty. What would you kind of... Do you think the um, do you think the ruling's too, too subjective? Absolutely. I mean, just touching on George's point there, that it can... It can be um, subjective, you're right. But I just feel like the standard in the English games going down and down. I mean, we saw no referees at the World Cup in uh, last year. And I just feel like um, if you watch some of the games in the championship, I mean, the referee standard's pretty uh, pretty appalling uh, compared, to, uh, compared to other leagues. And I just feel like the FA, again, the, just the FA need to establish what what is conduct and just maybe have a review of the of the rules of the game yeah any more to add on that george i mean yeah it's a, it's a tough one really it's it's it, like i said it's hard to sort of actually think of a of a of a kind of an easy way to fix it it's not an easy fix but like in like in the world cup in russia um the use of var was actually very successful many people thought it wouldn't be i didn't think it'd be that good but it, it did help a lot, and I'd say that's probably the most logical next step for Premier League football. OK, some very good points there, guys. Now, we are approaching the end of January, and that does mean one thing, that the January transfer window will soon be coming to a close. Now, there has been a big um, deal in the last few days, and a potential deal as well, both involving Chelsea. Now, the first one is Gonzalo Higuain arriving on a loan deal. And that has in turn allowed Alvaro Morata to go to Atletico Madrid until the end of next season. Do you think it's the right move for him, George? For Higuain? Uh, for or? Higuain and Chelsea. Well, it's, it's, it's a tough one, really, because he's been out of form for AC Milan. Um, and I believe that was alone as well. But obviously, under Sarri, he had an amazing record at Napoli. Um, obviously, did well at Juventus. So, he, w one thing I noticed against Sheffield Wednesday in the FA Cup, which was his, was his debut... He did seem a bit sluggish, a little bit almost stocky. He seemed like to, he seemed like he sort of had to get his sort of match fitness up in a way. I don't know how much he's actually been playing recently, but um, obviously on his day, a very good striker, um, quite well known for missing big chances and finals and stuff. But I mean, Chelsea need a striker, um, so he, he could he could sort of spur on Giroud and Giroud. It, it might be a good bit of competition for them both. Obviously, Morata. I don't know where that went wrong, but. Um, that seems like the right move for him to going back to Spain. Yeah, Chelsea definitely needed a change. I think we can all agree on that. Uh, we'll have to see if it turns out the way they want it. Uh, we've not got. To, uh, we can't forget though that this is a seventy-five million pound player at one point, uh, former Real Madrid, former Juventus. I mean, what more could you ask for? I'm just really looking forward to seeing him in the Premier League, partnering partnering up with players like Hazard, Willian, and just seeing what he can do. Yeah, I mean, I guess one thing that it might allow is because Hazard's been playing playing in that striker role recently for Chelsea. So even if he's not necessarily scoring goals, it'll be someone for Hazard to play off. Um, he'll go back to his more favoured wing position. Um, so maybe it'll actually allow other players to play better in their natural positions rather than people at like Hazard playing at striker. Like, like you touched on there with his form, he's in his one season with Sarri in Naples, 36 Serie A goals in 35 games. Now, he was very impressive that year. Chelsea seemed to need someone who has that clinical nature. He hasn't been playing as much as he would have liked at Milan with Patrick Cotroni ahead of him. Lee, do you also feel that he can get the best out of Hazard as well as scoring these goals? 
I do. I mean, he knows the system that he enjoys. Uh, I just feel like Chelsea as a whole haven't had that natural in-and-out striker since Diego Costa, I would say, and I just feel like they they need they need that strike and I feel like Higuain's the right guy to do the job. Okay, and from one uh, Chelsea forward to another, Callum Hudson-Odoi, well, he has handed in a transfer request and there has been reported bids of up to 40 million from Bayern Munich over the last few weeks. At 18, it is a bold move following in the likes of Jadon Sancho to the Bundesliga if he is to go. George, do you feel it's the right option for him? Well, I mean, Chelsea aren't the best club in recent years for these youngsters to progress. Um, we've seen we've seen Loftus-Cheek sort of doing well in the Europa League but not getting the same Premier League chances. And ju- judging by his goal against Sheffield Wednesday, um, obviously a, a great pass and he just did a lovely turn, left foot finish into the bottom corner. So he looks like a real talent. And I'd say if I were him, I would have looked at the likes of Sancho, Reese Nelson, who are doing quite well in the Bundesliga and... If you get that chance to go to Bayern Munich, Dortmund, any of those big German teams, then I feel like he'd much rather be there than Chelsea. Well, the competition, if he was to move to uh, Bayern Munich, would be the likes of Frank Ribéry and Iron Robin, both 35 now. Serge Gnabry and Kingsley Coman are the younger options, with Coman obviously being very unlucky with injuries. And Alfonso Davies, who's been playing at left-back. So they have got a very good young options uh, out wide. Lee, do you feel that he will he will gradually ease his way into Bayern's side or he could come in and um, rustle some feathers, shall we say? I do. I think we've seen it with Jadon Sancho. English players can move to other countries and make a success out of it. I think, like you said, with Robin, Ribéry um, getting to almost retirement age, Bayern definitely need that new winger. I feel like he could be the one and a major success for not only Bayern but for England as well. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's exciting for... England on the international scene, isn't it? When you've you've got these players, we've had a good World Cup, we've got all these good players coming through and playing for other top teams and even players coming through for in- some of the English teams, the likes of Rashford's obviously been, I've been on the scene for a few years now and Trent's in his second sort of full season for Liverpool um, and Foden hopefully in the next couple of seasons. But it's um it's 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 looking hopeful for, for England, isn't it, really? And um, and obviously on the point of Robin and uh, Ribery, it's um, for him. It must talking to if he's talking to his agent. I'm sure they 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 know that. And for them, it's it's like a well, what an opportunity really. When you compare it to the opportunities at Chelsea right now of Willian and Hazard, it's hard to get into that team. But if you're looking at these older players for Bayern, it's it's a real good opportunity for Callum Hudson Odoi. I I mean I agree there from one division of English football in the Premier League to the second division in the Championship. The next topic we're going to touch on is the relegation battle. As it stands in the Championship, Ipswich are sat rock bottom, Bolton are in 23rd, Reading are in 22nd and Rotherham 21st. Now, Lee, as a Bolton fan yourself, do do you think it looks set to change any time soon? I think if you're from Rotherham downwards, I think you're in big trouble. Even looking looking up to the table to Wigan and Millwall, they're not they're not 100% safe either. I think in terms of my team Bolton, it's going to be tough. I think Ipswich are definitely definite goners. I think Rotherham as well, even though they're just outside, they've I don't think feel like they've got the quality, and it's going to come down to us and Reading. And I just feel like Reading have the have more of the finances to to stay there than we do. Yeah, I, I guess 
Well, looking at it now, you see you see Brentford are eleven points clear of relegation. So there's there's Millwall, Wigan, Rotherham, Reading, Bolton, and Ipswich who are the real contenders for those three relegation spots. Um, but then if, if you look sort of further down, it's almost more just a battle between Rotherham, Reading, and Bolton now. I would say, it's like you said, Ipswich. They look like they'll be going down um, as it stands, and I feel like realistically, because obviously we're gonna we're gonna six points ahead, um, ahead of Rotherham. So unless they have a horrible sort of lapse in form, um, and between sort of Reading and Bolton, I would say Reading edge you on quality. Yeah, um, I, I have to. Agree I, they, they were the sort of the team you would not expect to be down there, especially after a couple of seasons ago, the um, being in the playoff final. So yeah, it's a tough one really, but. Um, I don't know what what you'd say. Like maybe relegation in long term for Bolton might be a, a chance to rebuild. Or I mean, we said that last time yeah. uh, we got relegated a couple of years ago and came back up first season. Just managed to survive last season by a single point, ninetieth minute goal to keep us up. Um, I just feel like it's same old story for Bolton. And uh, I mean, we look at teams like Birmingham and uh, Nottingham Forest who were who were down with us last year in the same spots that Reading and Rotherham are now. Uh, they've learnt, they've brought in some money, uh, brought in new players, and now they're fighting to get into the Premier League, and we're just stuck right at the bottom again, and something something needs to change, and unfortunately under Ken Anderson right now, that's uh, not going to happen anytime soon. I mean, you mentioned Ken Anderson there. Could you shed us some more light on kind of the inside the inside of the club at the moment what's going on with his with his management and what what's happening I can yes yeah. so uh Anderson took over f- from Dean Holsworth about 2 years ago now I think it is and uh club's been in, in and out of debt for a number of years now ever since we got relegated and uh, it finally looked like we were we were stable you know uh, last summer we brought in Josh McGuinness for I think around 500 thousand pound which was the first cash signing we've made since i think three years ago something like that and uh all up well and good we also brought in players like christian doidge gary o'neill rami matthews and it was looking good actually at the start of the season uh after the first five games we were joint top of the league (laughs) and then uh it's just uh went down from there really so um so anderson's made all of these promises looks like he's a captain and everything was fine and dandy, and then January rolls around the corner. Money's apparently has gone somewhere. We're unable to pay the transfer fees for players like Christian Deutsch, and it turns out that Christian Deutsch, we haven't even been paying his salary. Uh, his old club, Forest Green Rovers, have been paying it in the uh, hopes that we'll give them the promised million-pound transfer fee from him. I mean, million-pound for a League Two strike is just ridiculous in the first place, but... The fact that he's moved to Bolton, his family have moved to Bolton, his wife quit his job, that his children have integrated into um, the culture here and they uh, moved to the schools and now that he's gone back to Forest because we've been unable to um, pay the transfer fee, it's it's ruined his life basically and it, it's not just him but Remy Matthews, we've obviously got him back now but all of these players have just, because of his promises, uh, the, the careers have been... Uh, ruined at the moment it's it's not a it's not an ideal situation is it to be a Bolton fan 
I mean, look, just looking at that relegation zone, the only team I can really see that will be able to stand a good stead of getting out of it is possibly Reading. Out of the last six, they've won one, drew one and lost four. Jose Manuel Gomez has come in and he's been a big hit with the fans. Now, Bolton host Reading tomorrow night. Do you think that's a, a certain six-pointer? Definitely. There are more, more protests going on before the game. Uh, we saw last week tennis balls being thrown onto the pitch and all sorts. And um, I feel like Reading, again, will have the upper hand. I don't think the fans will be behind the team. I feel like Reading, under new, under new manager, will be wanting to take this and will have more enthusiasm about the game. And I feel like this could be the... Uh, make or break for Reading at the moment yeah and um, well what about what about Bolton though do you would, would a win that would go a long way to sort of trying to get out of the relegation zone do you do you reckon how likely do you reckon it is again we've been in this position too many times I I just think uh, we need to we just need to rebuild and whether that's going back down to league one and trying to come back next season then so be it like Wigan Blackburn have I then so be it. But I just feel like something needs to change. And under this current system, under Ken Anderson, that's not that's not going to happen. Yeah, and I, I guess the only worry, and it's been proven time time and time again, really. Um, we've seen it a few years ago with Charlton, obviously Blackpool with Carl Oyston, um, Charlton with Duchelet, um, and then now Ken Anderson. And it's almost impossible if you're fighting a relegation battle to get survive. Well, to to actually survive because. Obviously, the, the lack of funds, and we're seeing it now with Newcastle, even in the Premier League, um, having that lack of funds and the lack of ambition from a chairman um, who sort of messes the club around, it does impact the club a lot on the playing field. Um, so, I mean, relegation for Bolton is obviously a, a, a massive worry. But, um, it's, it's so tough when, when you've got this sort of situation with the chairman. Obviously, it happened with Brighton um, a couple of years before I was born, actually. But... Um, so I've been quite lucky with uh, the likes of our former chairman, Dick Knight, and current chairman, Tony Bloom. But I guess when the chairman gets in the way, uh, it affects the football, it affects the whole club. It does, and I feel like the EFL need to do something about this because, like you said, we've seen it with Blackpool, we've seen it with Charlton and now Bolton. How they can allow these chairmen to take over these clubs and run it the way they have yeah. is just unbelievable and it's not right and it's something they, they need to uh, touch up on for sure. Some very, very fair points there, lads. Now, we've covered both the Premier League and the Championship. We're going to move into our social posts of the week. So, each of us have got one of our favourite social posts of the week. That be on Twitter, Instagram or any other form of social media. And we will be sharing them to see who we feel has the best. Now, I'll start with you, George. What have you got this week? So... On the note of diving, actually, um, so this one came, you might know the Twitter account, it's Johnny Sharples, at Johnny Gabriel, um, does quite a few funny tweets, football related. Um, so it was related to the Gemma Collins dancing on ice incident when she fell over. Um, and he's just, done a, he's just done a quote on the tweet with uh, the referee is just checking VAR here. <laughs> so, I mean, diving, diving happens on dancing on ice and football so yeah, not not just the uh not just the football pitch this week i've gone with andros townsend something from the weekend where he celebrated his goal against tottenham hotspur a penalty from the penalty spot and someone tweeted him saying he, they were disappointed that he didn't celebrate and that he should have a word with himself 
Townsend then quoted this saying, try 93 games and being there for 16 years from the age of 8 till 24. It's called a bit of respect to the club that made me, mate. Yeah, well, he's just shut that fan up, hasn't he? No. <laughs> he's um, made his point well and truly there. So mine's from a couple of weeks ago, actually, from the uh, Huddersfield game when Huddersfield were obviously managerless and Sky had the cameras on the one of the fans from uh, in the Huddersfield end, <laughs> thinking it was going to be their new manager, and it turns out just to be some uh, random bloke. That oh, what was his name coming. again? I saw, I saw the... Martin from Wakefield. That's the one, yeah. And uh, they did it on a transfer announcement as well, and they actually got him in the video, which uh, was, was quite funny, but maybe they should be focusing more on relegation <laughs> than um, making viral videos, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's not the best predicament to be in. Um, thanks for joining me, lads. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. No pleasure, thank you. And just before we would like to, uh, just before we end, we would like to end this podcast by giving our best wishes to the friends and family of Emiliano Sala and pilot Dave Ibbotson following the tragic plane incident last week. Not only just the footballing world, but people around the globe have been praying and hoping for the best. Goodbye. <laughs>